Hello guys, Jack here from Jack Makes Happy Hour podcast. And yes, the rumours are true. We're heading back out on tour in May 2024. 68% of the tickets are already sold out, but there are still a few left at Edinburgh, Newcastle, Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, Cardiff, Sheffield, Nottingham, Bristol, Bury, and our home city of Norwich. So don't waste any time. Grab your tickets today and come and watch me, Alfie and Robbie live. And me. Mainly me, Alfie and Robbie, though, isn't it? Yeah. HappyHourLive.co.uk. See you in May. I may have got this wrong, but was it you that did a bit about Lego up the arse? How much oh, Lego sure. can no, you... No, 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 that, uh, um, that was a marble. So... <laughs> oh, marble. <laughs> I thought he was going to go, no, no, that wasn't that me. That was John yeah. Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When do you feel you've been active? What for 20, 20 I've been Active? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been active? <laughs> <laughs> like fucking Matt Damon. Active in the comedy yeah. scene, I should say, for about twenty years. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. When, I've been circling. Was there was there a moment where you really felt it click and and you knew what Russell Howard, the performer, like this I mean, is me? Is there any way you can take that kind of smooth, off the quip kind of comedy and put it into writing? So your Netflix special Lubricant, yes. that is out tomorrow because I think this goes out on the on the thirteenth. So yeah. it's out on the on the fourteenth. Yeah. Can you tell us why it's called Lubricant, or are we going to find that out? I kind of rewrote the national anthem, and I get like um, sort of one pound seventeen every year for that. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing all right. Then. You're the next Capaldi. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello guys and welcome back to Jack Mate's Happy Hour podcast. It's getting festive outside. I've had a festive bake on route to studio. Stevie, how are you? I'm good. I like that the studio is now a normal temperature as well. Yeah, June and July, it was it was absolutely fucking unbearable, but now it's all right. I'm wearing a jacket. Do you know what? You look nice today, I've got to say. Uh, just for our guest. I put in a lot of effort today. You mm. didn't. <laughs> I got my new jeans on and everything. Oh, in that case, yeah, you look lovely. Let's introduce our guest because there's a guest I'm super, super excited to announce. A guest that I've watched on TV for many, many years, if not decades. A comedian, a TV and radio presenter, actor. It says here as well. It's Mr. Russell Howard. How are you, sir? Very well, yeah. Mm. It's really nice to be here. I'm looking a- forward to this. Abs- and I agree, you look lovely. 
I, I like him, see? Uh, what, yeah. what, you, what about me? You look lovely as well. But he's clearly put a lot of effort in. <laughs> it feels like, you, I think you, you made a sort of clothing selection. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I think you got a few things out. Yeah. And that's what you went with, and I like it. It's weird that you know my morning so well. <laughs> yeah. Is that your Russell Howard shirt? It's, I'm never going to wear it again after today. <laughs> I love it. Russell, I've got a bit of an... Um, I've got something to admit to you. Okay. I um, once saw you out and about. Right. And uh, I need you to clarify something for me, because okay. this might be a little bit rude, right? But I okay. saw you at an airport. Yep. And you were you on your phone and it was horizontal, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think I've seen that kind of stance a lot of uh, like so many times in my life. Yes. And I think it was the football manager stance. It and was. I th- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that was going to be you were going to uh, be accusing me of watching pornography and hate. <laughs> it was that as well. Yeah, yeah I was good, like cuz you went it's a bit rude. And I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. It, it um, was- no, it was, it was, uh, yeah. It was a flight from um, LA to London. And the funny thing is, I said to Fiona, I went, ask Russell Howard there. And he was stood there and I was like, I'm pretty sure he's playing football manager. Yeah. And I had so many questions and it's, it's a pleasure to meet you so I can oh. finally ask, uh, get them answered. However, we got on the flight and no, I didn't see you anymore. You're probably in the front bits, like nice posh bits yeah, and that. Totally, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously nine, 10 hour flight. And I saw you at Heathrow again the next morning waiting for the luggage and you were still playing football manager. Wow. Yeah, sounds like I, when I get into it, I, I go deep. Like this started at university. Right. Yeah. So I used to live with my friend Paul and this is back. We used to have it on a computer. So we had the original football manager that had Andre Sigporson, uh, Andrew Mainwaring, uh, Alan the Train Pouton, Paul Eiffel, <laughs> uh, Michael Duff, all these kind of like, uh, like we, we took Kidderminster Harriers and we won the, um, the, the, uh, the Champions League. That was um, going to be my next question. I was going to say, what's your greatest football manager achievement? Was, it was massive, but, <laughs> but it was it was solid because my friend Paul had a particularly bad eczema. And so I'd be asleep in my room and then I'd be woken on a Sunday morning to the noise of him tampering with my team and scratching himself. <laughs> and it, it was the just this... It's like the worst, it's the second worst sort of scratch you could ever hear because my brother, I can't believe I'm telling this story. Remember Tazos? Do you remember those Tazos? Yes, like Pogs. Yes. He would scratch his uh, gonads with them and sort of late at night you'd hear this. (laughs) It was like Desperate Dan scratching his beard. It was just this harrowing noise. My sister broke her arm once. (laughs) It was like a really slow kettle. My sister broke her arm once when she was a kid and uh, she asked me for a chocolate button and I threw the chocolate button across the room and it went up the cast and it melted and there was all this dried (laughs) chocolate in there. So she used to just get a ruler and just be scratching it every day. You accidentally gave her diabetes. (laughs) She's actually type 1 diabetic. (laughs) Oh, she's... Oh, really? I completely apologise. But maybe that's how it happened. Do you ever feel guilty for it? He didn't until now. Or is it Ed Gamble that always jokes around, uh, jokes about getting diabetes from jumping in the or drinking Thames water? Or yeah. James Acaster always says he he drank the Thames, and that's how I gave my sister type one diabetes. That feels like an autobiography, doesn't it? <laughs> that's mad. Just with a sad photo of her and you just holding this ominous sort of packet of buttons. <laughs> What were you hoping would happen? She would catch them like a seal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Just She's already injured. She's she's already sort of like, wounded. you know, a quarter of her sort of grabbing, yeah. if she's really good with her feet, is gone. And you've just fucking lugged it at her. Animal. I love that you class one arm as quarter, like the feet yeah. are equally well, as good. probably as go full Daniel Day-Lewis and just grab a button. 
But the very fact that you, I mean, to be honest, it's that weird thing where you go, there's real pride in that to get yeah. it through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real like Kessel Run shit, isn't it? Yeah, you've no, just got it. That's on the CV, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was until you realised you gave her diabetes yeah. doing it. Yeah. You're a Liverpool fan, aren't you, Russ? Mm-hmm. How do you reckon they're going to get on this season? I'm such a pessimist because, yeah, I've got a season ticket and I love it, but I'm just, everyone that I sort of sit around, just like, I reckon we'll get on today. Well, I don't know. That's I mean. I'm just that, just mm. muttering. And, but yeah, I, I hope we do. I don't know. We're looking good. Mm. But you never know. Who do you support? West Ham. Oh, nice. Mm. My mate Liam supports West Ham. Having a great season. Best season. Was it a cross? Ever. Was it a shot? Oh, I think he came out and said, didn't he? he said it was a cross. Yeah, I know you don't use Twitter, but I think he. Um, you've got Twitter, but I don't think you you use yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mazuaku came out on and said it was a cross, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he mad said, cross. He said I'd love to have meant it, but I don't lie. It oh, was a, yeah. it was a, it was a cross. Terrible cross. Is, is is Mo Salah the best player in the world for you? I yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm going to say that, but mm. it's just I. He's so good at the minute. But then everyone is. Like Fabinho is incredible. Mm. Uh, Tiago is 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 mad. Jota's playing well. Everyone's like Van Dyke. See the thing is that the goal that Origi scored against uh, Wolves the other day, that's all from Van Dyke's ball. Like mm. the composure that man has is yeah. just like ugh. It's, it's actually insane. annoying how Van how good Van Dyke is. It's quite annoying. Do you think it's but, for me it's irritating, yeah. I feel a bit like that with um sort of uh, Declan Rice yeah. because he's playing so well mm. that it's just like oh, can he not just have a bad game but he never seems to have a bad game no, eight, eight or higher every time yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure how much longer he'll, he'll be at West Ham so I've got to enjoy him while I can now Russell we always start the show in the same way we ask all of our guests the same question it's a very yeah. highbrow show as you'll go on to learn what is your go-to meal deal um I wouldn't have a sort of complete meal deal what I would go for is I would have a uh, I would have two scotch eggs if I'm kind of yeah, I love a Scotch egg. So <laughs> wow, with um, kind of a bit of uh, bit of tomato sauce, bit of barbecue sauce if there's any knocking around, and uh, just get into both of them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I've never done two Scotch eggs at the time, like full hamster. But <laughs> I think if I was in uh, you know a situation, God knows what that situation would be, where I was forced to eat two Scotch eggs. Yeah, if I, I think so I could do it. If yeah. I now lobbed you two Scotch eggs, what are you going <laughs> yeah. with your right foot and your left arm? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> two Scotch. So what you we do is give me scabies. Would you? <laughs> would you have a drink to wash them down? Yeah, I would have a. Uh, I'd have a black coffee, or I might have a fizzy water. I used to be a real. Um, you know, this is going to come across as a real sort of rock and roll story, but I had a real problem with Diet Coke. So I used to, I used to, I'd drink like 10 cans of Diet Coke a day. So I've had to rid myself off that, but now I'm still on fizzy water. We, we, we don't like people that choose fizzy water. Well, okay, fine. Feel free. What's that? <laughs> What's your problem? I don't know. It's I like just... TV static, isn't it? Yeah, it tastes, it water. tastes like TV static. Yeah. What if that person has had a problem with uh, carbonated drinks and he's trying to get back to the sort of the, the hallowed glory of sort of normal, regular, unfizzy drink? Isn't and this is his gateway drug back to... <laughs> Back to what you guys claim to be a sort of a pure Valhalla. Then it's more understandable. I We're guess. bad people, basically. We are bad not people. Bad people. You, just, you just need to understand that some of us are ill. <laughs> <laughs> some of us need help. So what we've got here for a meal deal is a main of a Scotch egg, Two a, a snack a of a Scotch, of a Scotch egg, egg. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and then a sparkling water. Yeah, yeah. I think this could be right down there. I like a Scotch egg. Yeah, but it's not a sandwich, is it? We've we've rinsed people oh, yeah, on here for picking shit. But how much would we rinse them if they got a sandwich and a Scotch egg? That'd be mad. It's difficult to rinse them if they're happy. So if they're sort of sat there... <laughs> oh, no, it's not. No, but do you know what I mean? If I'm sat there and I'm eating one Scotch egg, knowing out of the corner of my eye there's another one, <laughs> then 
it's it's difficult to disagree. How many Scotch eggs do you reckon you could do at a time if your life depended on it? Or if my life depended on it, and you know, you know, that would be an ISIS video we'd all watch. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like Jesus Christ, they're forcing him. I would. Um, I think I could do. I've always been pretty good. at I ate pretty quick. So, you know, I, I would, as a younger man, I have a six week a bit so go and I, you oh, know, wow. you'd hear tell of people having two and I never really got my mind around that. But yeah, so I think, I think I could do four Scotch eggs. Easy. <laughs> four if your <laughs> life depended on it. Like, like, like one, like boom, boom, boom. Easy. Just without, without stopping. I could you just must be able to do at least way more than that, Russell. No, I don't think so. I think if you, if you stop and think about it, like I'm on about without even stopping for a second, I'm just like banging oh. through them. Are you on about like a duration thing? Yeah, like 24... imagine it's like a share box, 20 chicken nuggets, like you can go for them. Oh, I could, yeah. If you gave me a day, if you locked me, you know, it's like infinite scotch uh, egg syndrome. If you locked me in um, in a room full of scotch eggs I'd, <laughs> for, for a day, I could eat a hundred and shit out the complete works of Shakespeare. <laughs> Done. I recently watched your podcast you did with Steve Bartlett yeah. about the intricacies of comedy and anxiety, and now you're yeah. on here talking about shitting out. Scotch, this Scotch. <laughs> but this is the funny thing: we're all different people, aren't we? We're different shades. Everyone is sort of we're a bit like iPod shuffles. You never quite know what's going to come out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sort of like that's and that's the nice thing about sort of podcasts, really. That you that there's so much fun and there's so it just feels like it's a natural chat in a way that a sort of a TV interview. It sort of still has. You have to be a nice young boy for the the families at home. Mm. But the very fact that we can just talk normally and just talk about any old bollocks, yeah, it's joyous. Yeah, and, and there isn't a comedian that doesn't enjoy that. But there also isn't a comedian that doesn't enjoy the kind of the wallow and the analysis. Uh, I find comedians as well, and we, we've 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 been very lucky enough to have quite a few of them in here. Like I've been surprised at just how different they are they all have sort of running themes in terms of I think a lot of them come across a lot more shy than they appear on stage which is obvious but some of them will come in and they'll really want to like get deep and talk about things like that but then other ones will just shit out scotch eggs yeah (laughs) it sort of it sort of depends the mood you're in Mm. do you know what I mean and also but imagine (laughs) imagine if you'd gone what's your favourite meal deal and I'd gone well you know (laughs) considering with all the suffering that's going on in the world. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It just feels like there's a time and a place to kind of go, you know, yeah. one in four kids don't have access to clear running water and here we are <laughs> talking about scotch eggs. It just feels like... You Fair asked enough. me a that's question probably, about eggs. That's probably more on us than, than Russell. Yeah. Okay, let's rate this scotch egg so we can move on to the good stuff. I'll give it a five. Oh, that's very... That's, that's so generous from you. That. I like scotch eggs. I was going to give it... And a, I like Russell. I was going to give it a 2.2. So find the average, the median. Uh, 3.6. 3.6. That means... Russell Howard is one above the relegation zone. Oh dear. Russell Howard with a 3.6, one above Ben Foster in the mills. He's keeping you uh, oh. keeping you firmly in the league there. That's pretty poor. It's very bad, yeah. But, but um, you know, good company. Yeah. Ben Foster. Yeah. Um, have, we, have we got any more? Nigel Lung's above. One above. Yeah, he is. He is. Okay, Russell, you've you've travelled the, the, the country, the world, touring. Mm-hmm. In the UK, when you're, when you're through cities and on the roads and that... What's your go-to service station meal? Oh, oh service station move, meal. Yeah, you thought we'd moved on. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I thought we were in the service station. Okay, so my service station meal uh, would, you know, I don't want to sound like okay, a broken record. Here, but, <laughs> You're not going to say two's got text. It would, be, uh, it would be, you know, very kind of egg-based. No, I like, what do I like? I like a, a scotch egg <laughs> or those, I don't mind a chicken and mushroom ginsters, uh Slice, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I like those. Uh, 
there's these amazing crisps. They're like jalapeno flavored, jalapeno and cheese flavored crisps. Are they the Walker's Max ones? Yeah, yeah. yeah. John Richardson. I remember we were on a train together, and he sort of went, "Have a fucking go on those bastards." <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how he said it, and I think that's what the advert should be. Do you know what I mean? Just holds up those crisps, and it's just John narrowing his eyes and going, "Have a go on these bastards." Do you talking, know what I mean? Talking of John Richardson no! and and, uh, and snacks. Do you yeah. as, 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 as a comic, you can probably tell Stevie how weird this is. Um, Stevie did this. For John at a show. No. <laughs> I when I was in sick form, I saw John Richardson live. Oh, and amazing. I went straight from sick form and hadn't eaten. So during like an interval bit, I went and grabbed a meal deal. During the show, he was saying how he hates people. It's something along the lines of he hates people being like, oh, I hope you'll be all right. And he said, I'd rather people just gave me a Kit Kat and I'll be fine. Yeah, oh, nice. <laughs> so when I met him at the end of the show, I gave him a Kit Kat. Oh, that's lovely. Is it? Yeah. See? And he said, This is good because I've now just got to drive home and I haven't eaten yet. He's convinced he would have thrown it away because he doesn't trust that I would have done something to it. That would have gone straight in the bin. Yeah. There's no, there's no denying that. He probably, he, he probably put them in a bin full of lots of other Kit Kat. <laughs> I thought I was original, but no. I, I, but then having said that, he, he is, he's a late night piglet. Right. So I think it would have been on his car seat, and he'd have sort of looked over it, and he'd weighed up the option. He looked at you, and you've got kind eyes, and but you also, and I mean this in a, as a compliment, you don't look like the kind of man that would be very good at poisoning somebody. Okay. Like, <laughs> no, I'll take that. Do you know what I mean? There's too much honesty in you. Okay. And he, like, you ju- you look like someone that would give somebody a cat kick at, not the, a kick at that would be laced with some kind of hallucinogenic. Okay. Yeah. See, I'll take it. And was yeah. it? Was it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? I just, you know I mean, you, you have kind eyes, so I would accept chocolate off you. Okay, I'll remember that. If I get to come and see one of your shows, yeah. I'll, Do, I'll bring, I'll what's, your, along, what's though, your favourite yeah. chocolate? Because you haven't you mentioned know, chocolate. favourite chocolate. I love dark chocolate with chilli inside it. It's oh, wow. unbelievable. Oh, yeah, wow. It's quite wanky, It's quite, but it's proper nice, man. It's have just, you ever had a chocolate sandwich? But I'm talking, so Deborah Meaden told us. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a bit early to talk about Deborah Meaden's chocolate sandwich, isn't it? <laughs> what? <laughs> So that she gets. I'm out, Deb. I'm out. <laughs> what? So go on. That she she gets a bar of the cheap like Euro Shopper chocolate, yeah, and then puts it between two bits of bread and eats it. Cheap oh, bread as well. Oh, cheap bread. I cheap love bread. That. Yeah. But isn't that? I see that. Yeah. That that sh- that's top level though, isn't it? Mm. So Meadon must be at the top. Mm. What but, of the Mealdales? Yeah. Yeah. But, he's the, but that's the fact that she is so rich. And yet her taste buds are clearly <laughs> so scummy poor. as fuck. Do you know what I mean? But it's just kind of like, and I love that, that every other part of her has moved on. <laughs> but her tongue still yearns for 1968. Do you know what I mean? Whenever she was born, I don't know. I love that. Do comedians have um, have riders? Yeah, yeah. What, what's, what kind of things could we expect to see on a Russell Howard rider? Scotch uh, eggs? So, no. Um, by the time I get to the gig, I'm done with them. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I have... What do I have? Like, We have just fruit, we have Red Bulls, you have these sort of liposurgic uh, vitamin C sachets that you sort of... You have one of those uh, before you go on and they kind of... It feels like a thousand barocas. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Um, and then... Uh, do you not? Sorry, do you not get a crash then? Because you've obviously got to keep quite high energy while you're on stage. Yeah. If you have one of them, do you not feel yourself crashing when you're on stage? Oh, really? No. And also, it's become this weird thing. Like, so my tour manager, the mighty Kumar Kamalagaran, he has 
a, a C and a B before he goes on stage. So the vitamin C sachet, he'll have that with a Red Bull because it kind of gets him up. Right. And, and it's part of his ritual for the show. And this is a man with IBS. <laughs> so you have to respect that. So, so, so me crashing is nothing compared to the deep curdling that's going on within the mighty Kumar camera. <laughs> Have you ever wondered what it's like to bite into nerds' gummy clusters? They're fruity. They're tangy. They're gummy. And they're crunchy. Nerds Gummy Clusters, a union of fruity sweet gummy and tangy crunchy nerds. Unleash your senses. Shop now at nerdscandy.com. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! I want to hear a bit more about your stand-up later on, um, but before that, we always go back to the start. We kind of try and do it chronologically, but I'm not sure how okay. how uh, well that will go. But school days, Russell. Yeah. Very cliche question. Yeah. You've probably been asked this a million times. What were you like at school? Because we're often surprised at how very, like not often, that comedians are the class clown. Yes. Yeah, well, I was, I, I it's sort of that thing, I think everyone was funny at school. That's my memory. And it's just like, it's like when I went on Mock the Week, it was like, all oh, right, it's like German. Like it just that everyone's kind of mouthing off and there's always a sort of a comment. And I remember uh, my German teacher, uh, Frau Kinder, she would put something on the on the whiteboard and say, does anyone know what this is? And I'd be like, Meh. just sort of say something silly to make everyone laugh. And she's, uh, she's like, get out. And I'd be like, worth it. So I'd sort of strut out. <laughs> strut out. <I'd> just, <laughs> <laughs> so like, cool. Like John Travolta. <laughs> so, Flicking a yeah, spot so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like smoking his gut hair. <laughs> but but I um I just, I remember telling her I was really honest. I was like fifteen. I was like I just can't. It's like if there's a thing there, it's out of my mouth before I thought of it. Mm. I can't stop it. And that's kind of what I was like. Really, I was you know I was pretty good at school and you know did pretty well in my exams. But I just had this light switch where just that moment where you go mm. and then suddenly make everyone laugh was just kind of. I was addicted to it, clearly. Was it the kind of like the reward of the laughter was worth more than the the trouble that you may have got yourself in yeah. for saying those comments? Yeah, it was just, I don't know. And then and just every, I just remember like laughing and I just had this, like my school days are just this bus. We, we'd get the bus home and th- there was a kid in our school who's just brilliant. They just told these amazing kind of like stories that clearly hadn't happened. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. all that. And he's like, he's so, oh, I'm exhausted. Do you know what I mean? Like at 14. And we'd all be like, oh, well, what's happened? He's like, oh, I was going for a walk last night. I'm going for the woods. And uh, you know, like them snipers, where you see like, you see like a red, uh, red dot on your chest. It's only the police. They're trying to get me in there. Did you go to school? <laughs> it's all that. Did you go to school with Ray Winston? Yeah. But it was, but it was that, or he, he was just the best man. It like, it come from nowhere. So I remember him asking my, 
my mate's mum, whether she had room in her shed for his 12 foot surfboard. He didn't have a 12 foot surfboard, <laughs> you know, but and she was like, yeah, if you want, he went, great, I'll come around uh, Monday. <laughs> and obviously never went, but he, yeah. his brain was like that. And he's like just one little character in my sort of school days. It just felt like everything was this, I don't know, sort of collision of kind of, of lunacy and little madness. sitcoms weren't yeah, they totally no, yeah. yeah and I just I don't know it's sort of that. that's what school was like for me it was very much kind of you know kill or be killed be funny or die it was sort of like you know proper like 90s you've got to be funny or you're going to get your face kicked in that kind of you have to develop a personality Li- yeah literally that I remember when it's when I best, first man. yeah in, in terms of it's the best defence mechanism oh, to suddenly 100%. suddenly become aware of of your of being funny or having a lazy eye or take the piss out of yourself or whatever yeah. to mean that the, the beating gets moved on to the person next to you it's like, yeah. you're like I'm safe I used to be really at school the thing people used to go, go at me for was being ginger right. and then and so year seven and eight, I'd really be like defensive about it and I'd get in worlds of trouble. And then year nine, 10, 11, I started to just take the piss out of myself before they could. Yeah. And then you're, you're kind of like indestructible in a you're way. Indestructible. Yeah. And you sort of develop your own kind of uh, personality and you become yourself. It's mm. such a weird, but then on the flip side, you sort of think like it was brutal but I mean, this was the glory days where if you made if you made the mistake of accidentally calling the teacher mum, yeah, you were fucking done, man. Right? Like, that was it. It was sort of you, I, you. Just remember talking to my dad about it, and you go, well, you know, what would happen? And my dad was like, "Well, you're done." <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, your only hope is if someone wets himself in your class, you're safe. But until that, but it was sort of like that weird era of like, just, you know, that's, that's my dad in fairness. You know? I actually, the first time I ever come across Joe Wilkinson, he does this great bit. It was actually on your show. Um, oh, yeah. Good news. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the bit he says about when he accidentally called a teacher dad at school? And, the, and, he, Vaguely, and yeah. he says that another kid heard this and then over the table went, uh, you want to bum him? <laughs> Not sure what goes on your in your house my friend but yeah, yeah. he's a number of child line so good so so good so did did those jokes and and stuff get you into trouble were you good at school yeah it was pretty good yeah i sort of uh, sort of weird really my, my main thing when i was a kid was football so i was obsessed with with footy and was and was pretty good and kind of wanted to be a footballer all the kind of clichés and then uh but then really like really got into like war poetry when I was 15 like Wilfred Owen and Seafred Sassoon and Rupert Brooke and all that that dulcier decorum s pro patria mori and all that I was like what really blew my mind I can't even pretend to know what that means well it's the old lie that it is sweet and honourable to die for your country and it was sort of about the the idea of Rupert Brooke was this propaganda war poet of like we should fight for the country and all this and if I should die think this of me there'll be some far-flung country that shall forever a piece of England be and all this and everyone was like, yes, that's the way to be. And then Seafrit Asuna Wilfred Owen had uh, shell shock and had gone through the, the horror of the trenches and they wrote poetry to it to reinform the country about the horrors of war. And I was just like, it just sparked me out. Now, the looks you're giving me are very similar to the looks I got being very good at football with my friends when I would try and chat about this shit. And <laughs> <laughs> you change your room. Means, what have you been up to? My friend, have you read the poetry? And back to square one with the beatings when I. But, but that, was the, that was the thing with me. I, I sort of had this really... Like the 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 commonalities have always been an uh, obsessed with football, love football, mm-hmm. but also love words and love quotes and love kind of jokes and sort of the emotions you get from words. Right. You know. Okay. Like, like genuinely, kind of. My dad had this thing in his office that said, "Those who dream by night 
in the dusty recesses of their mind, waking the day to find that all is vanity, but the dreamers of the day are dangerous, for they act upon their visions with open eyes and make them happen. And I just remember going, that is such a great thing to say, and I'd sort of eat a scotch egg and look at that. And, <laughs> but, but, but that was a really sort of big thing. That I was like, oh, I really like those words. I really like what they make me think. Mm. But I also liked, you know taking the piss out of my brother or fucking around at school. So, I, I, do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I kind of wasn't one thing or the other, really. I was, I'd kind of get quite into stuff. Yeah. No, well, I love that. Or I wouldn't with maths. I never, I could just, I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't get maths. I despised maths. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I, I loved English and, and yeah. writing and creative writing and that, but you're, you're a very maths I love man. maths. Yeah. And, but the fascinating thing, the further you go into it is you just go, there, there's such a beauty in maths that you just go, you know, I haven't got the ability to do any of it, but everything adds up in the world mm. it's like when you look at have you ever seen like a beehive now like the, the they've got these perfect hexagons that the bees have made and it's like you couldn't print something as perfect as them it's like mathematically correct there's there's weird shit going on with with numbers and mm. the tangibility of numbers but if you're a bit you know, thick. The great thing is with, with English, you can kind of, you know, you can sculpt your own version of events. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas all I ever got was like one point for method. Right. In maths. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It so was, you, you, Stevie was smashing your, all these big maths equations and I just did a review on Cream Street, the movie. <laughs> oh, did you go to school together? Uh, we went to the same first yeah. school. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then now we're here. I then went to uni. I went to Bristol, actually. I went to UE. What did you do? Animation. Did you? Yeah, I studied animation at Bower Ashton campus. Wow. You went to UE, didn't you? I did, yeah. What a great city. I, I, I lived in, I stayed there. I lived there for eight years. Bristol's my favourite city in the world and yeah. I'm from Norwich. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, well, see, I see, I like Norwich as well. I think Norwich, I've sp I speak about this every time I go to Norwich because I think there's a conspiracy going on with people from Norwich because what I think you do is you're like, oh, bloody hell, we're all inbred, oh, don't come here, oh, shit. And then you get here and there's like this there's roadkill all along the A11 yeah, that yeah. makes you go, this is a dark place. And then you get there and it's lovely. <laughs> and I think you're deliberately trying to keep the house prices down by claiming that you're all, oh, it's all shit, we're all inbred. You're not. You're fantastic. You're lovely. And the houses are brilliant. I know you're game, Norwich. I know what the fuck you're doing. I do love it. And I I think I, we sell Norwich quite well on here, I think. Well, I love I, it. our other co-host, Robbie Knox, formerly of Soccer AM back in the day, yeah. um, he... Uh, he he went, he's from Kent and he came to Norwich uh, for uni and he just said, he swears by, he says yeah. it's the best city in the, in the country. But they're weirdly, they're very similar places as well. There's a kind of, I don't know, there's a sort of, not to sound too wanky, there's a nice energy to the places. There's a nice fondness of each other mm. and there's a community. And I think Bristol, and the accents are sort of, like Brist Bristolian accent is very more kind of bouncy and jumpy, whereas the, like Norwich is flatter. It's yeah. like lower. Yeah. And it's sort yeah. of just there. Like. It doesn't never go higher. i got to give you your props there. That's a very good Norwich accent because so many people have tried to do my accent back at them, yeah. uh, back at me, and they can't grasp they do it. Bristolian. They do Bristolian. Well, this We're... is it, but it's sort of, it's, it is very similar, yeah. which is kind of nuts in itself that we've, if you think <laughs> about it, so over, like, so you've got Welsh, everyone's always speaking like that, and then you, you go to Bristol and like, you kind of go like that, and then you get Swindon, still a bit like that, and then you get a fucking land, and it's all like, oh, fucking, and then suddenly we're back to like, 
sort of Bristol, but not. <laughs> and in the space of like a weird four-hour journey, we've kind of gone through. Yeah, know. I think Thetford's a transition, isn't it? Thetford. Thetford, yeah. they're yeah. still a bit. It's a London, London overspill town. So yeah. you'll have me speaking like a farmer, and then you'll go and see my cousin Frank, and he's like, hey, "What are you saying, geese?" Like, so yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. weird, so weird. Um, I'm not sure how we how I'm gonna segue this one, but don't bother, what, just what, do it. What's the uh, what's the what's the weirdest thing you ever you ever did as a kid? The was Russell? Was it you? Uh, I may have got this wrong, but was it you that did a bit about Lego up the arse? How much oh, Lego sure. can no, you... No, 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 that, uh, um, that was a marble. So... Oh, <laughs> I thought he was going to go, no, no, that wasn't that me. That was yeah, Richardson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I convinced my brother um, that he would... It's the power of being an older brother, and I once convinced um, Daniel to put... Uh, if you got if you got enough marbles up your arse, you could... Um, you could turn into a wizard <laughs> and um and mum caught me fucking like literally i had about three, yeah yeah oh very good but i had about i had about three in him and um and mum was like you're gonna kill him and i was like yeah and then my brother was screaming at my magic yeah <laughs> yeah it was kind of an old yeah an old routine but sort of based in truth we said weird games man we we had this thing when I was probably about seven and Danny was five, we used to play a game called lady wrestling. You sort of, sort of tuck your cock between your legs and, and then kind of have a fight. And the loser was the person whose kind of cock fell out. <laughs> that's why it was called lady wrestling. So that's, you know, different game. <laughs> what do kids do now? So I was going to say, did boxes now, isn't it? And all that sort of stuff. I've, I've, I've got to admit, I did one where... Um, me and my cousin used to get in a duvet, roll, uh, not in the same one, we had separate duvets, yeah. roll up as tight as we could and pretend to be penises. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we did a thing with that where, you know, you go inside the duvet, um, so outside the, the kind of, and we'd call it the other world, so you'd be in the other world. You know, That's quite cute though. It's, yeah, it's not role playing cocks, is no, it? No, no, but it's, I don't know, it's sort of that fun, it's, I think it's because we didn't have stuff, so your brain, when we were kids, you like, You'd, you now we'd have had a little kind of fruit game that we could have played on our phone or something like that. Whereas it's sort of that thing, particularly growing up in the arse end of nowhere, your brain's like, right, we've got to figure out something to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's sort of like, like particularly if you haven't got any money, it's odd the games, like when dad used to wash his car, me, my brother and my sister would pick a, a sort of an individual run of water that would come off his car that would go down to the drain. So you'd pick it at the beginning and then you go, right, I'm back in that one. So we would literally follow this water to the drag, across a fucking road. <laughs> like, that. like that. And you would sort of back which, which bit. Well, that was a genuine yeah. day, like half an hour of watching which bit of water. And you're like, oh, oh, oh. And then sometimes the water would link into, into another bit and it would go faster. But it was sort of that weird yeah. sort of childhood of going, that was fun. Right. Because I, there was nothing else to do. I role played as, um, I don't roll, I wanted to be David Blaine oh, at really? one point. Yeah. yeah. So me and my cousin, we picked a road bollard each and we just stood there to see how long we could stand there for. Well, like, you stood on the bollard? Yeah, you know, like the little ones like yeah. that. Yeah. We just sort of stood there and looked at the traffic. What and was your record? F- three hours, 25 minutes. Wow. It's quite boring. The but and what was the locals' reactions? The people were, were, did go past and ask us, but we just said we're David Blaine, mate, obviously. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and the other, another weird one was I used to you know them yellow pages, but the big books. Yes. Where, yeah. Um they used to put them on people's doorsteps because you couldn't get them through the um through the env- through the thing. Letterbox, yeah. And uh, I used to go around and just take them and then we had this old car garage and I just stacked up this whole empire of yellow pages wow. it was like that scene from Breaking Bad where yeah, that guy yeah, lays yeah, in the yeah, money yeah. it's like yellow pages all like the newspapers that you sit on on yeah, set and stuff. Yeah. yeah so yeah I did some fucking weird shit but it's odd isn't it it's sort of 
but I think it's born out of being of having nothing to do and just having a just your brain needing something to do. Whereas yeah. now, you know, you wouldn't be stealing that. You wouldn't be doing that. No. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. What was your first job? Was it the RAC? No. My, well, my first job, like if we're doing summer jobs and whatnot, I like actually, no, my first job, I had my own business when I was uh, 11 and my, my next door neighbour, we had a car washing business and we had five regulars. We'd wash their cars. Pretty successful business. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Pr- pretty good cash. <laughs> And uh, then three of our customers died. It was like a really, like, as in they were old. (laughs) (laughs) And we just couldn't get the customer base back up. I thought thought he was going to say, because you were playing that game with them where they were following the trickles in the roads. But we just, I think like other villagers like saw us as a curse. (laughs) So they wouldn't let us near them with a sponge. But yeah, it was, it was kind of, uh, that was my first job. And then um, I had a paper round throughout school. And then my first, I used to work in a pub. I loved working in, in a pub. That was fun. Um, but my, like the only proper, proper job is working at the, I worked at the RSC right. in a call centre. You, you, you got into comedy fairly early, didn't you? Yeah, I was 18, yeah. 18, you started, again, like I listened to the episode with Steve, I was fascinated at the fact that you started writing jokes at 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've always been into comedy. I've watched stand up live at the Apollo, your shows, and yeah. like since I was a kid. But I've never, I didn't, I don't think I ever started writing jokes until I was about eighteen, nineteen. Like it was quite. Good. Were they actually structured jokes? Were they little one liners at your friends? Like no, what? there was sort of like when I was a kid, when I was fourteen, it was like I, I remember my friend Craig got me a got he his dad had a Lee Evans video, and it was just mind blowing. He had a, this Lee Evans video, and I'd never seen somebody be funny like that. Because it didn't exist on TV. It wasn't, do you know what I mean? You'd sort of have a Billy Connolly CD, mm. uh, sorry, yeah, cassette or whatever. But he was sort of so um, kind of, it's almost like trying to be a musician and looking at like David Bowie. Like Connolly was so unique and kind of windswept and interesting. You kind of, you couldn't possibly get to that realm of funny. And then Lee Evans felt very normal. I remember watching that going, he he doesn't appear, like, and he's he's not confident and he's, he's, He's taking the piss out of himself. He's self-deprecating, but he's very everyman. And it just blew my mind. So I kind of basically wrote jokes as if I was like a 14-year-old Lee Evans. So, right. so there were routines about, you know, when you go to the um, school and uh, the teacher's looking at you. So I was trying to write this kind of like observational stuff about school from from his perspective, because I thought that's kind of what comedy was. I've got two questions off the back of that. Firstly, was it hard to find your, your own sort of style? Because as Lee Evans was a huge inspiration, yeah. for me, it was Ricky Gervais. So yeah, yeah, my yeah. early YouTube videos was just literally a rip off of, of him. But I think also, I think The Office particularly, there's like a whole generation of actors that, well, that's how young people talk. Yeah. It was so dominant. So it's not just comics. Everyone like, it's not even like, I know so many people who are funny as him from the office. Yeah. Says, wow. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah. That brilliant sort of voice that we'd never heard suddenly became the comedy voice. Right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So just, so, a, yeah, just a way of talking, wasn't totally. it? Yeah. And it was, um, so you're not alone in that respect, but in terms of like finding your voice, it's like, it happens gradually. It, I think, you you kind of, it's a bit like you know painters. They'll they'll go for their kind of you know um, Van Gogh phase or that they're kind of you know they kind of borrow and so what's that for originality is the art of concealing your sources. It kind of is that where you're just you're taking all these things in whether it's music or film or your mate or a comedian whatever it is mm. and you sort of mush it all together and then you eventually create your way of. Conducting the orchestra in your head. 
that's kind of how it feels. Do you know what I mean? Where mm. you sort of suddenly you're able to be this kind of uh, filter for this funny that you f- uh, f- see. Right. If that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You sort of gradually get it going and it's just the way you create a voice as a comedian is just being in front of a, an audience and getting to that level of comfort where you show your real self. When do you feel, you've been active, what, for 20, 20 years? active, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> how long have you been active? <laughs> like fucking Matt Damon. Active in the comedy yeah. scene, I should say, for about 20 years, is that yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. When, I've been circling. Was there, was there a moment where you really felt it click and, and you knew what Russell Howard, the performer, like, this I mean, is me? I remember doing Late in Live, which used to be this gig that started at one o'clock in the morning in Edinburgh at the festival. And I started doing that when I was 23 and I remember my friend Dan just going that that's the most you I've ever seen you like as in because you all you would do is you just get heckled so people just shout shit at you so your brain you didn't have time to kind of go to a pre-rehearsed script you had to be funny or not funny and I found that kind of bantering and like knocking around with the audience really created me, but very specific moment. I remember doing Ashton Court Festival when I was 19 and I had this script in my head. I was thinking, I was talking about Craig David and what a week he'd had, you know, so hang on a minute. So you met this girl, you know what I mean? All that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And, uh, this guy shouted out, what is it? Yeah, he just, he started going, hobnobs. Like, he's at the back, it's like a festival gig, he's just off his tits. What was he saying? Hobnobs. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like that. And then he starts going, Rich T. And I'm like, hey, like that. And I said, I don't know what you're on about, mate. And he goes, I want to, I want to have sex with you. And I kind of went, I remember the line just came from now and went, I went, mate, like, there's people I've known my entire life and I haven't had sex with them. I'm going to roll over because some fucker speaks biscuit. <laughs> and it came out so perfectly to me. Yeah. That's how I would be. I would roll over because some fucker says biscuit. It's like, and I would never write that. And that was a real moment of just like, I almost heard myself going, that's how that, it was that smoothness. Yeah. You're so relaxed that you're kind of funny as yourself without that sense of, I now have to follow the words that are in my head that I want to say. In a, I love he- I love hearing that. I love hearing that because there's been times on this podcast and that where I've come with little jokes and quips that I want to say, usually just when my friends are in there and that. But it is that moment when there is just that spark, something comes and it rolls off the tongue and it gets a laugh. And that means a hundred times sort of more than the, the and pre- everyone And everyone has that. Like we all know people that are hilarious. Yeah. It goes back to what I was saying at school. It's like, the great thing about stand-up is just it isn't a thing that you I mean you can you can learn it, but it's more just understanding why you're funny and everyone's funny mm. in their own different way, in the way that Joe Wilkinson is so funny in a completely different way to the way that Ricky Gervais is funny, for mm. example. Do you see what I mean? But mm-hmm. they're both authentic versions of their funny. Yeah. Is there any way you can take that kind of smooth, off the quip kind of comedy and put it into writing? Yeah. Well, this is the interesting thing. During lockdown, that's kind of what I did. I like. I tried to. I listened to it. There's an amazing podcast. If you're into stand up, between Tim Ferriss and Jerry Seinfeld, where he interviews Seinfeld, and Seinfeld talks so lovingly about writing in a, in a very similar way that John Richardson would speak lovingly about alcohol, that it makes you want to sort of drink port. And and I was like, I've got to give this a go. And I, I really kind of tried to sit and 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 not to sound too wanky, but mm. kind of like I, what I did during lockdown, I looked at all the notes on my phone that I'd made since 
you know, for the last 10 years. And I tried to turn them into stuff. And it gave me like little homework to do that actually went on to become the Netflix special and that because I kind of wasn't locked in the inertia and misery of COVID and, and what was happening. Mm. I was writing a thing about a thing I thought when I was in Germany four years ago. And because I didn't have an audience, I knew I would have an audience in the future. So I was just, I would just go over and I try and whittle it and I try and understand and make it funny. But what's really interesting is about that is that you create this stuff that you think is really great and these kind of quips in your head, like you say, and then a year later you perform them when we're out of lockdown. And I had like this two at like two page bit about Adele that just fucking died, man. And in my head, I was like, I think that's, this is going to be a really funny bit. And it just never got anywhere. But then lots of it did. So it's kind of the thing about the quip is you get the validation instantly whereas when you're trying to write in quips you have to kind of back yourself that it's funny do you know what i mean yeah it's sort of a tricky one when you write your stand-up do you write word for word like is it or i, I did during lockdown because it was something to do but yeah normally i i don't no. would, it, would it just be bullet points and you kind of just bullet points arrows and um i've got like a good memory for stuff so i can kind of like like even I've got this idea that I was working on the other day when I was doing my TV show, the show broke down. I was like, oh, I'll try that bit out and see if it kind of works. Just And I can sort of somehow, what I intend to do, I'll have a thought and then I'll say it to a few of my friends and sort of gauge their opinions and then it becomes bullet points. And But during the lockdown, I did write it all kind of out. You said you had a good memory. Yeah. Um, did you memorise every capital no it's amazing that story i don't know who fucking put that out there <laughs> is that bullshit Some genius yeah yeah somebody just made it up as a lie so i would be like when i was doing all the press for the european tour i get these guys from austria going so i understand you've uh, memorized every capital city of the world and i was like no well, it says here in your bio like, no i haven't he was amazing this austrian guy he was so funny man and he, and he goes, he goes, why are you coming here? Like, that was his question. I was like, um, I don't know, just to do some gigs. But nobody knows who you are. And I, like, and I was like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, pro probably not. And he went, you're having a crisis? Or? And I was like, no, no, I'm just doing some gigs. He went, but I don't understand. You're, like, you're very famous in your country. You do arenas. And I've looked at the capacity of the Vienna gig, and it's like 400. And you've you've only sold 200. You're going to have an awful evening. Well, I better go home then. Yeah. But it was just like, but he was so like sort of like so deeply like I don't know what the word is but he was like Teutonic and he's like well it makes no sense and I know it doesn't fucking make sense but it'll be fun <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> like it was uh, brilliant I love it I love it so your Netflix special Lubricant yes that is out tomorrow because I think this goes out on the on the 13th, 13th so yeah. it's out on the on the 14th yeah can you tell us why it's called lubricant or are we going to find that out you will find it out but I can it basically it, it came about from a phrase because uh, the whole stand-up show is sort of a love letter to laughter and I had this like talking about quotes I was talking about earlier I was trying to sort of think what m laughter meant to me and it feels like laughter is the lubricant that makes life livable and that is where that's the that's the longer quote and I thought if I call it lubricant it will make people go, oh, I wonder what that's about. Listen, there's going to mm. be a lot of disappointed perverts. Let's not look around. Just going to, there's no mention of KY Jelly. There's there's nothing to make sex easier. Um, but yeah, that's where it came about. So it was kind of like, a, it was the- It's a lovely quote. The show, yeah, but it's mm. sort of like, I wanted to sort of have something where, 
because I like that. I like being funny, but I also like having those moments where you can almost feel an audience go, yeah, man, fuck, yeah. And it's that lovely, mm, Yeah. You know? I, I see it when I watch stand-up, and I, I often see a lot of uh, a lot of the comics put in like a heartfelt moment at the end and stuff. But I think Russell Howard's Good News was one of the first times I'd ever seen that on, yeah, on TV. TV. You'd always finish with like a... Yeah, like what? Well, because we sort of the, my, it was my idea and it was just like let's make it woe and wonder because mm. the world is kind of full of such you know particularly the world of the news because you know shit sells mm. and, and, and wonder doesn't but there is so much magnificence in the world and you almost just have to be reminded of that sometimes we're confronted with really grim stories sometimes and you lose faith I think you also lose faith when you view humanity through the medium of social media because it's all kind of fake or it's this sort of rolodex of perfection and mm. ultimately we're all a bit flawed and wibbly wobbly and that's the majesty of comedy and what's frustrating at the minute is the only time you see comedy in the news is when it's like audience horrified at joke that's the only time comedy makes the news you never hear like most people went to gig and had brilliant nights <laughs> you know? yeah. but yeah. three people got upset and now this is the story because you have the dying empire of the print media knowing that the way they can monetize mm. that is by saying oh look what three people said and then they can turn it into a thing it's so frustrating because 95% of people love comedy and love laughing mm. and and most of us have comedy that we adore and some you go oh, that's not for me and we just walk away and yet it's in this weird thing at the minute where it, it just maddens me that it, it isn't treated with it's it's only ever treated as this kind of evil thing when mm. actually it's it's a majestic thing laughter because you're lost in it when you're laughing you can't be angry it's you're just you're there man you know that feeling when you're with your friends and you're laughing and you don't quite know why you're laughing anymore and you, your real laugh comes out and it's fucking hurting it's the best you're therapy isn't it totally yeah. you're in this tornado of love it's yeah. fucking majestic the only thing that's really weird and I will finish talking for a nanosecond is when you're laughing with your friends and you don't know why you're laughing it's impossible to stop that laugh but if you see other people laughing and you join in, it will instantly erode. Do you know what I mean? If someone's really lost and then you just walk and go, ha, 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 gone. That's how you stop it. I was going to say, with, with all of that like negativity in the news, laughter's also the thing that kind of counteracts that and balance like all the shit that's kind of happened over the years to us as humans yeah. um, we laugh about some of the darkest stuff mm. totally and they're mm. probably our best moments yeah, yeah. but yeah. also that's your coping mechanism and it feels like it isn't the place of somebody else to say well you shouldn't laugh about that and you're like well it was my misery yeah. and mm. I'll turn it into whatever fucking cake I want to can you, it, can you tell the trip advisor thing what happened? What's your dream? Oh, it is, 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 it's, it's a sad story, but this, this is a is lovely dark. bit of comedy so, at the end, um, humour at the end. Yeah, we, me and my partner lost a baby at the start of the year, and we had to go to hospital, and my partner had to give birth to a dead child, essentially. Horrific. Yeah. yeah. And when me, me and my partner were just sat there, and uh, we just looked at each other, and I just went... Tears in your eyes. Like, and I was just like, oh, I hate this place. I'm going to give it zero stars on TripAdvisor. <laughs> and yeah. like, we were just like, in that moment, we suddenly went from really shit and sad to being like, this is, everything's going to be all right. Because like, life's going to be okay. But what you did in that moment, despite the... I cannot conceive of the insane pain that you had in that moment, and yet you managed to dig down into yourself and knew that you could make her pain slightly less mm. worse and mm. you had the courage to say something beautiful mm. and that's what that is about that's one of the most magnificent stories i've ever heard because you were like you're both sat in your fucking pain and your brain went 
I think I can make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was also worried she'd hate me. <laughs> of course. But that's why she loves mm. you. Mm. Yeah. Because you, and you reminded her in that moment of why she loved you so much. She's fucking beautiful. But somebody might hear that and go, oh, that's not for me. And that's fine. Mm. It, it's okay for them to be upset. Yeah. But they're missing. The true story behind that is it's a man trying to heal his partner's heart. That's that story. That's such well, so well put. Yeah, yeah, exactly nice. that. <laughs> exactly that. that got deep. It did. But also, it's sort of that thing, man. It's like when you're willing to share a story like that, that is, I, I genuinely, I, can't, I know people that have gone through it. I can't conceive of, of anything worse. I genuinely, it just, it, it, it sparks me out that level of, of pain and for you to talk about it and talk about it what that does is somehow that makes us who haven't been through that go I think we can cope with anything yeah and and do you know what I mean and it's sort of that's what you can't steal somebody's coping mechanism you Mm. can't do it like that's and I don't want to be one of these oh fucking cancel culture and all that that's not about cancel culture that's about eroding a, a mechanism to deal with the fucking horror of life. Mm. Yeah. That story. Imagine if somebody had said, well, you're not allowed to say that. If a, if a nurse had said, well, we're actually not meant to do that. <laughs> yeah. You're meant to just cry. <laughs> and, give, <laughs> and give us five stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Lubricant is out tomorrow. Everyone go and watch it. The, yeah. it, it there's a documentary as well, is there, Russell? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Uh, the documentary is called uh, Love Batter. It's not. It's not <laughs> that. Just make it as filthy as possible. That's called Till the Wheels Come Off and that is a documentary about trying to make a special during uh, a pandemic. It was meant to be a documentary about travelling the world and seeing all these kind of amazing sights. And and that's on Netflix too? Same time, yeah. So okay. we, it's, like a, it's like a double album so it's the special and the documentary on the same day. So one is about uh, yeah, me going to New Zealand and Australia and doing two weeks in a lockdown and uh, doing gigs uh, in car parks and woods and all this kind of stuff, building up to the special. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing. You mentioned you wrote a lot during lockdown. Yeah, yeah. When you're writing, did you know it was going to be a Netflix special from the start? Uh, yeah. So yeah, when, when you're weird, writing yeah. for Netflix, do you find you have to kind of avoid certain jokes or do they have any creative control over what you do? They have no creative control. It's amazing. They're brilliant. So they just let you do whatever you want. It's un- Oh, wow. It's unreal. So it's just kind of like, it's just that nuts thing that you're like, um, yeah, that, that there, was a, there was one bit where, what's the one note they gave me? They were like, oh, we don't know what that song is. And it was a song. What was the song? Let me think. Oh, yeah, Land of Hope and Glory. I sort of rewrote that. Right. And um, they were like, that's not going to mean anything to, to our audience. And I was like, eh, it means a lot to mine. <laughs> and, they were yeah. like, and they were like, fine. Oh, Do you know fair. what I mean? They were like, oh, I probably won't work in, in America. But what I've, to, in fairness, through gigging, not so much this one, but certainly the one before, you kind of gig in the UK and you gig in Australia and then you go to... Uh, Europe and you figure it out and you see what works and what doesn't so you mm. sort of make more of a global show but that in itself is fascinating seeing what stuff doesn't travel you know what I mean I was like mm. you know I had this routine about nursery rhymes and how I kind of like geez the girls really get fucked over in nursery rhymes doesn't it it's like you know Jack climbed the beanstalk and uh yeah, old mother Hubbard lived in a cupboard. Do you know what I mean? And it's like this quite nice little pattern I mm. noticed. They're like Grand Old Duke of York had ten thousand men. Polly put a kettle on. <laughs> uh, it like, so it was like, yeah, we, we don't mind a horse putting uh, an egg back together, but a woman. Um, and uh, that, I did that whole routine. It was like this 
big, you know, funny bit in the UK. And I'd done it in a place called Uthensa in Denmark to utter silence. And it's that there. And you don't know in that moment, you're like, they're, either they haven't got Polly and she doesn't put the kettle on or I'm doing this really badly. But you sort of, do you know what I mean? You sort of figure it out by yeah. gigging. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. One thing I, I really want to speak to you about, Russell, one of my favourite things that you do is the Russell Howard Hour. Thanks, man. Um, the interviews on there are absolutely fascinating. You've had some wonderful guests. If anyone out there hasn't seen it, I strongly recommend it. I watch the YouTube clips all, yeah. all, all the time. So some of the guests you've had on, uh, Juan Mata, Ed Sheeran, Louis Farouk, Darren Brown, Tyson Fury, Stephen Merchant, who we're big fans of, Matthew McConaughey, Kerry Godleyman, so many good names. If I had to press you, not mm. for your best guest, because yeah. it's a bit rude, but which guest has left uh, the longest impact on you? Or? I kind of really enjoyed the chat with Matthew McConaughey. I thought I found that really interesting because it was like, we didn't meet, we, we, it was like a Zoom chat and it was about his book, uh, Green Lights. <laughs> and he, I just loved him. I, like, I just found him so interesting and unique. And if there was a cult, I, t- I told him this, I said, I think if he was in the business of cults, I would probably join that cult. <laughs> I just, like, I don't know, I just found him so interesting and... You know, it's, it's not dissimilar to what you said. It's it's more the things that people say when someone shares something of themselves. Because one of my favourite guests we had, um, in terms of leaving an impact with you, uh, is a guy called Mark Prince, who runs the Kean Prince Foundation. His son was um, was stabbed uh, and killed, and he took all that pain and suffering and he turned it into. Um, he he runs an organisation. He tries to help young kids turn away from knife crime and it's unbelievable wow. and, and it's and now Loftus Road used to be called Loftus Road is now called the Kind Prince Foundation Stadium and it's an, it's an unbelievable story so in terms of sort of meeting somebody that that, that was just like kind of jaw dropping that somebody took took all that pain and 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 is desperately trying to ensure it doesn't happen to anyone else it's impossible not to be blown away by something what, like what a human because I, 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 I think if something like that happened to me I'd be full of so much bitterness yeah. and I'd just be angry at yeah. the world rather than to well, turn this is it. and he yeah. came on and he spoke so eloquently about it and he's just yeah he's an amazing human being you had um, Tyson Fury on yeah, phenomenal yeah. athlete with probably an even better phenomenal mental health story and yeah. what a comeback what was it like sitting down with a heavyweight champion of the world just great because he, but again he just spoke so honestly and authentically about everything he's been through. And this was a couple of years before he was, you know, you know, he was big, but he wasn't kind of like, you know, Tyson Fury big now. And it mm. was, it was amazing. He was just so open and so funny and so charming. 
and fucking huge, man. It's <laughs> like, it is that moment. That's the only time where I've gone, you, like, you might have a little voice in your head. He goes, oh, there's an opportunity for a joke here. And your brain's like, let's just give it a second. <laughs> <laughs> just, you sort of glance down at that fist that's the size of, like, you know, a, a Rottweiler's head and go, man, maybe just, let's just nod, shall we? Let's just nod. But he was lovely. He was really... Really interesting. There's a bit that made me laugh so much in that, and I can't remember the the pers- the actual name. But was it? How did it go? Now you wanted him to prank call someone from your phone. Yeah, and I can't remember who he said, but he he went call Shakira or someone like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> like, yeah. He was. I well, that I thought it'd be quite fun to try and prank call somebody, mm. and the person I thought. Uh, I was like, I'm really good mates with Greg Davies. Mm. So, and they're both the same size. Jennifer Lopez. That's who it was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I give, I give him a phone and I go, hey, Brent Fool. And he went, oh, you got. And he, it was just like, <laughs> I want to call Shakira. I was like, I, I, like, and I was just, I haven't got Shakira in my phone. And it became apparent. He clearly, the only reason he'd done the show is because he thought that I somehow knew Shakira. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, and then he said, I'm not fucking yeah, yeah, Siri. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was just this thing where I was like, I, but what a ludicrous. And he was really like, Sort of a bit like put out. It's like, like this, and he's just. Got, but he was got, literally. Some of it didn't make the edit, but he was just. He was at the point where he's just going from my phone. He's just going, going. Who's Steve Williams? <laughs> what Martin? Not a ring, Martin. Neil Morrissey. Is he st- like that? Ross Noble. Who are these people? Like, do you know what I mean? And yeah. And I was sort of having to justify like these people, and I was like, he would nearly called um, Addis, and I was like, don't do that. Because Ardis is my, is, for whatever he's, I've always called him Ardis. He's in my phone. That's my brother. I was like, don't do that because that'll be a, f- you know, that'll go wrong, man. Because <laughs> he'll think that I'm pissing around. He's going to say something horrible to you. And and then there's going to be a curse on his head forever. <laughs> no, I love but that. But yeah, I'd thoroughly recommend getting him on. He's just a, you know, mm. just speaks very honestly about the roller coaster of his life, mm. you know. Who haven't you interviewed that you, you would love to? Can we have give us three names? Klopp, I would love to interview him. Oh, that'd be, um, that'd be good. Yeah, be a good yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tried so hard, uh, but you know, not so far. Uh, Billy Conley was on my list. I managed to interview him. Um, who else? Bob Dylan, I guess. Oh wow, yeah. But I don't know how easy an interview that would be. But just for the sake of it, um, like and Paul McCartney. Uh, having <sighs> having watched the recent Beatles documentary, I would yeah. be uh, that probably be it. Dylan Klopp McCartney. McCartney seems reachable. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. What a weird be... sentence that is to say, though. Well, he's for a Russell fucking Howard. Beat. Yeah, yeah. Anyone's <laughs> I'm reachable not for us. us. <laughs> no, but... just give Ringo a, a call. <laughs> but I would, I would gladly have Ringo as well. Have you watched that doc? No, I haven't. Mate, it's incredible. It's just you're just watching the Beatles and they just sat around riffing, and from nowhere, McCartney just comes up with "Get Back." It just arrives. Mad, isn't He's it? He's like, "I've got this song." Do you do the "Get Back"? And it just appears. It's kind of sort of Chris Martin speaks about music in that way, where you know these sort of songs sort of just seem to. Um, just leap down into him and then just arrive, and he's almost like this vessel for it. It's brilliant, um, isn't it? Oh, yeah. absolutely! I'm brilliant. so envious of songwriters, aren't mm. you? But then I think the the way in which you're envious about them, they might be envious of someone like yourself, apparently a comedian. So, with the... Yeah, but apparently that like um, Ro- uh, Robin Williams and David Bowie had that thing where they were both like, "Oh, I'd love to be you." Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Because they were like Bowie would sort of create at home, as it were, or in a studio, where Robin Williams would create in front of the crowd. 
Wow. Do you know what I mean? But it's like music created in front of a crowd. It's like it would be the equivalent of Chris Martin kind of. It was all green. No, uh, yellow. Let's have yellow. Be, do you know what I mean? It's like, but music is created for, whereas comedy is created with somehow. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The audience laughter sort of allows you to go further. Yeah. Well, nice I think we're kind it. of seeing music artists trying to be funnier now. They're like people like Lewis Capaldi. Yeah, well, he's, yeah. but he's a funny fucker. I went and saw him live and he was kind of doing a stand-up at the same time yeah. as singing. Mm. Like yeah. Between yeah. each song, he was doing jokes and stuff. Yeah. So but that must be... I remember seeing Rufus Wainwright and he did a very similar thing to that. He was just so funny and then he would just do a beautiful song and you're like, geez, as far as entertainment goes, I'm not sure there's anything better than that. Someone being hilarious and then going, here's one you know. Mm. <laughs> That's what, probably why we love Bo Burnham so much as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bo Burnham got one of my favourite jokes ever. You know when you see a joke that's so intimidatingly good that it doesn't make you laugh, it, it just makes you shudder because you're confronted with a deep intellect beyond you. This is the joke, right? It was in Edinburgh, it was about 100 people, and he kind of goes, do you, like, do you guys like impressions? And the crowd go, yeah. And he goes, why? And there's a pause, and he goes, Socrates. And you just suddenly go, oh God, oh God, his brain's too... Like, it doesn't make you laugh, you just go, fuck me. Whoa, whoa, it's sort of that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, do we like, have you, have you? Oh. And, it, and, and he was like 19 and you're like, oh God, fuck, fuck off. Half the stuff like, Bo Burnham says I don't get, but I'm in awe of yeah, the fact I don't get it. Yeah. We, yeah. But we've said we'd love him on the podcast, but we just think we'd be idiots. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just not it's worth trying weird. to ask him anything. It's such a weird thing that, eh? because it's so, I don't know if that, that's a British thing, but we have this sort of innate thing within us where we go, because you're clearly brilliant, you're fantastic at this, it's really good fun, but your brain is always like, oh, they probably think we're dicks. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's this weird thing yeah. of like, and then you get that horrible situation. It happens to me a lot when you go to like America and you might see somebody that you sort of know and they might know you and you don't know whether you go over or they come to you or it's this weird fucking thing and your little British head gets in your Get, you start going with it, you they'll think you're a dick, so you fucking sit here. And then you, there's such there's no difference between shyness and arrogance on the outside, they look the same mm. because you're just sat in a corner, you know. And it's like, is he shy? Is he arrogant? And that's yeah. the problem, man. It's like we've got this weird thing where you go, oh, I can't ask Bo Burma, oh, it's Bo Burma, I've heard better shut up. Oh, it's Russell Howard, I want to say hello, but I think you might be playing football manager, but he probably doesn't want to talk to me. <laughs> but I'd love to have had a chat with you, yeah. But your brain stood in the way of our conversation, and all our brains do. I don't know whether it's a, a British thing, man, but we just have this odd thing where, oh, there's someone I love. Go and say hello. And then this bigger voice in your head goes, don't do that because you're a cunt. You're a cunt. <laughs> Shut up and fuck off. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> you have um, a Christmas special, Russell Howard Hour, coming out mm. very soon, I believe. Yep. Um, who are your guests for that? Keanu Reeves and Carrie-Anne Moss. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> I love Keanu Reeves. Yeah, wow. Cool. They gave me a Matrix leather jacket as well. Wow. How, how does it look? What, on him? Fantastic. On me. I look like, <laughs> I look like uh, sort of a, a man who works at a sex club in Berlin. It sort of has that kind of... Do you yeah, know I, what I, mean? I could see that. Not, not in the main, <laughs> not in the main arena, but sort of in control. Just <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? but like, you know what I mean? It's like I can't wear leather. You must find that it's your, as a fair-headed man, like blonde fellas. Can't, we can't wear leather. I still try, Russell. And we do, <laughs> but it, it's something about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's sort of like it's like rocking out Mormon. It has that kind of like 
Amish rebellious boy. When it's, I first met um, my now fiance Fiona, who's out there, I was wearing leather black jeans because we're trying to be oh, like yeah, yeah, Harry yeah. Styles. Were you? Then, yeah, yeah. And then she came round mine. How did I let you get away with that? <laughs> and then she came round, and I was, I went, "What do you think of the jeans?" She went, "I fucking hate them." <laughs> yeah, but I sit in it. So I, weirdly, I've got this um, this hooded top on, and I was quite pleased with it. I quite like it. And uh, my my, uh, my wife said, "You joined the Power Rangers." Like, literally, <laughs> as I'm walking out the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Too late to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's it's that amazing thing. My dad's brilliant with leather jackets. My old man has just been, he, like I think he's got about probably ten now. Just loves them. Mm. They look, he, you know, sixty five. Yeah, but of that era, aren't they? They can sort yeah, of pull it off. Pull it can't off. pull it off. But it, like, but we're dealing with like he's got some with tassels on. It's like <laughs> oh, proper. God. Like he's strutting around like Lovejoy. Wow, love it, love it. Some final questions, Russell. So we'll yes. just bash through these. Yes. Um, what keeps you driven, mate? Because as we said, you've been active for very, yeah. very long. So what? What? what <laughs> I've been in the community. <laughs> what, make, what makes you keep going? What's the, What's the drive? I really love stand up, and I really love. There's um. There's an amazing special by the late great Bill Hicks called Arizona Bay and uh, such a brilliant stand-up record and I kind of feel like every comic wants to find whatever their Arizona Bay is and I don't think I've done it yet but that kind of that sort of perfect hour of stand-up that's kind of what keeps me going or like new ideas do you think you ever be content like enough to know that is your that's your record probably not but the excitement of trying new jokes and new ideas is is I've not got to that stage where I don't enjoy that okay the, the, I get slightly I find it tricky sometimes toward the end of a tour and you've done stuff quite a few times and you're a bit kind of over it mm-hmm. but that initial kind of when it begins to crystallise and the language be, begins to kind of get there I love that man do you think if you are never truly content with what you're doing that you could ever call it a day <sighs> Yeah, that's the snag, isn't it? But so I'm trying to weirdly work on not having fear as a motivator, so that I can kind of enjoy my art, if you want to call it that, rather than be terrified into trying to create it, so that at least you're kind of present in it and 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 just trying to let it nurture you, rather than kind of going right. You got to talk. I'm not. You need to work really hard it's gonna be fucking chicks you fucking shit you fucking twat like you know and that voice you still get that now all the time in every facet and it's that thing where you go jesus but it makes the stuff good but there has to come a way of going right should we figure out another way of doing it i'm trying to do that at the minute but it's um yeah it's it's not it's not easy if you've convinced because fear does motivate you like nothing else man but there's got to be something there's got to be something where you know, a voice will go, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. Yeah. Do you but, think, yeah. do you think you could ever throw in a comedy song in there at some point? I've done a few songs. I've got a few, you know, when you get like PRS, what's yeah, that? You, it's where you get like payments because your songs have been played. Oh, right. Yeah. So I get like, like from like little songs we've done on like good news down the years. <laughs> um, I kind of rewrote the national anthem and I get like, um, sort of, £1.17 every year for that. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing all right then. You're the next Capaldi. It was like, God save our, God save our NHS. It was right. Like, was that? God save our NHS. It really is the best. Liz will be fine. Da, 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 da. I can't remember the rest, but it was, yeah, it was a good bit. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah, from, from three tours ago. Um, but, uh, oh, no, like, yeah, oh, there's another one. All things bright and beautiful. The man 
We don't believe in made them, but we go along with it because it's what we're meant to do. He made mosquitoes that give malaria and cancer that ruins lives. We're meant to think he's lovely, but he fucks some poor bloke's wife when you think about it. He's a <laughs> bit of a asshole, a landlord that never calls. The Bible claims to speak the truth, but there's no dinosaurs. So there you go. That was, that was a Love it. bit of a 2014 Howard, that. That warrants the £1.70. This is it. Said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's... Like, because John Barnes still gets PRS when he sings... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, world so, in motion. Yeah, yeah, I reckon yeah. he still gets an all right yeah. amount from no, that. No, he does, because whenever... I, but I love Barnes, but it is that thing. We, we had him on the show, and he was like, I'm singing it. <laughs> so he knew the Dosh would come in. He's like, fine, fucking go for it. <laughs> classic, absolute classic. What's 2022 got in store for Russell Howard? So I'm going to um, America, and I'm doing a tour of the States and a tour of Europe, and I cannot wait. I wow. I love it. I love like, touring abroad is just the best you just find so many sort of hidden layers of comedy it's amazing beautiful love it look forward to seeing all you've got coming up mate that was so much fun thank you so much for coming on mate and thanks and honestly man that story i will never forget that Mm. it was a fucking incredible incredible story to tell Mm. and so funny you know Mm. yeah it's beautiful Should we finish on a quick slug question? You a got slug to... question? Yeah, I think we need to. What's it's, a slug It's a snail question. It's not a slug question. <laughs> this is from a podcast years and years and years ago. Not ours. Um, but we've asked a few guests about it. Yeah. So there's a deadly snail. Uh-huh. <laughs> so stupid. Um, a schnecke in Germany. Oh, yeah, yeah. A deadly schnecke. And um, let's give a ridiculous amount. Say I could give you 100 million right now. Mm-hmm. If you take it, Mm-hmm. This deadly snail is going to follow you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. The snail will live for the rest of your life. Yeah. If it touches you, you die instantly. Mm-hmm. Do you take the money? Well, in many ways, that is sort of a tangible metaphor of what I've just been talking about. <laughs> that, that I'm constantly followed by this demonic snail um, um, in terms of fear. So, uh, yeah, I take the money. I, I don't fear that snail because I live with my own brain. That's a really nice way to put it. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, I'm going to be making so much money that I'll get some scientists who can figure out some sort of force field so that 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 snail can never get anywhere near me. And, um, uh, you know, and and I'll hopefully live to a ripe old age. And, you know, let's say hopefully 97 still got my own functions and I'll just pull back the force field and the snail will look at me. And I'll die in front of him just before he touches me. Both my fingers just (laughs) raised like that. And the snail at that moment will cry. And the salt from his tears will melt his face. <laughs> and then he'll catch a scotch egg with your tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a poetic ending there. Yeah, this yeah. has been a great episode. Russell Howard, thank you so much. Cheers, fellas. Stevie, thanks as always. No, this has been Jack Mate's Happy Hour podcast. Russell Howard, yeah. what's the meaning of life? Uh, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Mates Happy Hour is a stack production.